If you found your place in 2 Samuel chapter 19, stand if you're able to tonight. Verse number 24, I'll begin. This is a familiar portion to many of you. It's a little bit of the story of Mephibosheth and how that David dealt with him. And you see when you get to 2 Samuel chapter 19, David has already reigned in Hebron for seven years. He continues to reign another 33 years for a total of 40 years at Jerusalem in the city of David. David's already come back, brought the Ark of the Covenant with him. He's already shown mercy unto Mephibosheth. Then you get to the point where Absalom rebels against David, and Absalom's literally ran David off the throne and out of the kingdom. Now Absalom's dead and gone. And David is returning into the kingdom. And as David returns, you see his servant Mephibosheth in verse number 24. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. And had neither dressed his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes from the day that the king had departed until the day that he came again in peace. And it came to pass when he was come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said unto him, Wherefore wentest not thou with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant, deceive me. For thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass, that I may ride thereon, and go to the king, because thy servant is lame. And he has slandered thy servant unto my lord the king. But my lord the king is as an angel of God. Do therefore what is good in thine eyes. For all my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. Yet didst thou set thy servant among them that did eat at thine own table. What right therefore have I yet to cry any more unto the king? And the king said unto him, Why speakest thou any more of thy matters? I have said, Thou and Ziba divide the land. And Mephibosheth said unto the king, Yea, let him take all, for as much as my lord the king is come again in peace unto his own house. If the Lord will be my helper tonight, I want, to, I want to talk to children of God tonight on the subject as long as the king is on the throne. But first pray with me, Lord, I love you tonight, God. You know me. You know my heart. You know my need. Lord, I desire you in your presence. I desire your unction, your anointing to help me tonight. Lord, would you touch me as your servant? Lord, would you cleanse me and clean me? You know my condition. You know the weariness of my soul and of my body tonight, Lord. But I love you so much. And God, I desire to impart something to these precious little sheep tonight that might be a blessing might be a help to them down the road. Lord, would you help us to have ears for a few minutes that we might be able to hear tonight. God, I know folks are tired and I know they've labored hard, but Lord, would you help us to just rest in the arms of Jesus for a few minutes around the Word of God tonight. Lord, I love you so much. and We need your presence. We need you to come by and feed our soul and meet with us and help us tonight, Lord. God, maybe there's one in our midst that's lost and undone without you. God, would you speak to them. Let them know how much you love them and how much you care for them. But God, for those tender little lambs, those little sheep tonight, God, would you nestle them up real close to you. God, help me as the little shepherd tonight, God, to be sweet and tender with these little lambs and try to be a help and try to be a blessing in Jesus' name.
Amen. You can be seated tonight. When you see this story unfold, there's a beautiful picture in such a way that I'm not the orator, nor do I have the vocabulary, nor do I know how to tell you what's in my heart and what I see in this story tonight. There's a lot that's said about the word and the term backsliding in the New Testament church. I don't deal with that very much because the simple honest fact of the matter is that I feel like sometimes that that's dwelt upon so much that people have the idea that uh, just because that they've never had fellowship with God, they've never loved God, they've never had anything to do with God, have been wicked as a devil all their life, and they can say, well, I'm just backslid. Well, that's not the case with most folks. Most folks just never been born again, but it is possible for a real child of God, a real childbirth born into the family of God to get to a place where you lose fellowship with God. You lose that first love and you get to a place where your heart's hardened. You get to a place where you're just not able to fellowship with God. I'll tell you, that's a sad place to be tonight. I wonder sometimes about how wicked and how mean folks are that are lost and undone without God. But I know some certain individuals tonight that I believe are saved and they've lost the anointing of God. Now, if you ever want to deal with somebody that's mean as the devil, you deal with a Christian, somebody who's really been born of the Spirit of God, and they've lost the anointing of God. But I, I don't trust them. I'd rather have a six-foot rattlesnake than somebody who God has literally removed the anointing from. That's one of the most miserable individuals that's ever lived. You don't see that very much. As a matter of fact, in all of my ministry, I know of two people that I believe that's happened possibly three people that that's happened to but you don't see that very often but when you look at this story you see Mephibosheth as he's had fellowship at the table of God at the table of David and he said in verse 28 for all my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king yet didst thou set thy servant among them that did eat at thine own table and now David's been gone. He's left the kingdom for a little while. And this young man, Mephibosheth, is left without that fellowship at the table. Now turn back to chapter number 9. Make a left-hand turn. Go back to chapter number 9. I'll build the story a little bit more. And maybe God will help us see some things that will be a blessing and be a help to you tonight. Back in chapter 9. You see this all beginning to culminate here in verse number 1. David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? When you see this scripture begin to unfold, David's come into the kingdom. The Ark of the Covenant's already come back. Saul's already died. And there's a desire in the heart of David to do something good for the household of Saul. And he begins to inquire if there's any left to the household of Saul. Well, there was. There was a young boy by the name of Mephibosheth that was left of the lineage of Saul. He was actually Saul's grandson. And in biblical terms, often a grandson is referred to as his son. And you see him referred to as being Saul's son. He was literally his grandson. But when you see this, he said... 
that he wanted to show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. My, how I wish I had the vocabulary to articulate to you tonight the story of David and Jonathan and that blood covenant that those two entered into and the love relationship that they had. And you bear in mind tonight that David's not going to show love and going to show mercy for Mephibosheth's sake. He showed it for Jonathan's sake. The night the Lord Jesus came and bestowed his love and grace on me, it wasn't because of me. It wasn't because of anything I was worth or anything I'd done, but it was because the covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. It was because God was pleased with his son that he loved me. When God, David here, as a type of God the Father, sins for Mephibosheth, he sinned because the love that he had for Jonathan. I thank God tonight. I don't know how to express that to you, but I thank God tonight that he loved me for Jesus' sake. Verse number two, there was the house of Saul, a servant whose name was Ziba. Ziba, here's the type of the Holy Ghost of God. When they had called unto him, David the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. You see, when news tidings came that Saul and Jonathan had died in battle, the nursemaid took up little Mephibosheth, a five-year-old boy. She ran with him to get away because she knew that because of the death of the king that this was an heir to the throne. And by all rights, David had every right to take the life of Mephibosheth. And she took up that little boy and she ran with him. And when she did, he fell. And from that day forward, he was crippled and lame on both of his feet. That's a picture in typology of the fallen depravity of man. His condition was a lame condition, unable to help himself, unable to do for himself, unable to take care of himself, and he needed somebody to care after him. That's where I was when God found me. I was crippled. I was lame, unable to help myself because of the fall of my daddy Adam. Verse number four, and the king said unto him, Where is he? Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he's in the house of Makar, the son of Amiel in Lodibar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Makar, the son of Amiel from Lodibar. You noticed right off that it wasn't anything Mephibosheth did. David initiated the whole thing. He called Ziba and he said, tell me, is there anybody left of the house of Saul? And he began to tell him about little Mephibosheth. And he said, I want you to go down to Lodabar and get him. Lodabar was a place of no bread. Lodabar literally means a land of no pasture. There was no good to be found in Lodabar. As a matter of fact, Lodabar was back on the east side of the Jordan River. Lodabar was out of the land. Lodabar was not a place of blessing. Lodabar was a place of cursing. It was a place where he had just gone to to exist. That's where I was when God found me. I was just existing. I thought I was living, but I'd never been in the land. I knew nothing about the blessings of God or the goodness of Christ or the love of a Savior, but I lived in a place of no pasture and a place of no bread. And he sent his servant. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, you go over there and get him. He can't help himself. We, we don't want to send him word. He couldn't get here by himself no how. Why don't you just go get him? 
when the Holy Ghost of God goes. And he goes over there, and I can imagine they've sent the king's chariot and the king's men. And Zybes, the servant of the king, goes down one of those lonely streets and begins to inquire about that young man, Mephibosheth. And I don't know what it looked like. I don't know what kind of a degraded mess he was in, but I know it was a dirty mess. And that chariot rolling down those streets, and those youngins begin to run around and wonder what in the world's going on that the king sent a chariot to Lodabar. And when he gets over to that place, he finds that young man, Mephibosheth, already a young married man with a small child at this time. I don't know what his reaction was, but Brother Danny, I guess it was pretty good when he said King David wants to talk to you, but you reckon there might have been a little bit of fear involved. What do you reckon the king wants with me? Somebody under conviction feels that fear and they know God's a good God and God's a loving God, but there's a natural inclination of fear that I'm going to have to stand in the presence of God. And I could see him taking that little young man Mephibosheth up in his arms and loading him up and heading back to the city of David. And he gets back to the city of David with that young man Mephibosheth. Remember, he's probably dirty. He's in the pit of degradation in loaded bars. He's the fallen depravity of man. There's nothing desirable about him or nothing good to look at. And the word of God said now in verse 6, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. Notice his posture tonight. There was no arrogancy in him. There was no pride in him. He prostrated himself on the ground before the king. He recognized and realized who he was and recognized who the king was. And David said unto him, Fear not. Boy, I bless the day the Lord Jesus Christ came by my way and said, Mike, you don't have to be afraid of me. I love you and I care about you and I want to help you. I want to be the dearest friend you've ever known. And he said, Mephibosheth, fear not, for I will surely show thee the kindness for Jonathan, thy father's sake. And restore thee all the land of Saul, thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? And the king called his Ziba Saul's servant and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertains to Saul and all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him. Thou shalt bring in the fruit and thy master's sons may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servants do. As for Mephibosheth, saith the king, he shall eat at my table. As one of the king's sons, Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. And so Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem. For he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. I'll tell you some things tonight, if God be my helper by introduction about that table. First of all, the table is a place of food. 
The table was the place that now Mephibosheth has left the land that he's been in and he's been able to sit at the king's table and have food. There's an interesting thing about that king's table. I don't know what it might have looked like, but I imagine there was something real special about that king's table. And to this little old boy that came from the land of Lodabar, no bread and no pasture, crippled, lame on both of his feet, there was a lot of things that you could say about Mephibosheth. There's a lot of things that you could poke fun at him and you could say something about his past and what had taken place. But as long as Mephibosheth was sitting at the table, his little crippled legs were up under that thing and you couldn't see he was crippled no more than anybody else at the table. I'm going to tell you what, when God put me in his family and set me down at his table with the saints of God, brought me into the place of fellowship with him, he hid my crippled legs under the table. And when God the Father sees me, when he looks across that table, he don't see a cripple anymore. He just sees a son sitting at the table. Glory to God, I bless his name. That could be a son sitting at the table and he don't even see what kind of condition I used to be. It don't matter no more what I used to be. It didn't matter no more where he used to live and how he used to do. Hey, when God saves you by his grace, it don't matter what kind of skeletons you had in your closet. Don't matter where you've been and what you've done anymore. That table was a place of food. That table was a place of fellowship. It was a place where he could go and have companionship and be with others. When I got born into the family of God, I got a place of food and I got a place of fellowship. Not only with God, but with the family of God and the saints of God and those that know what it is to be washed in the blood of Christ. And that table's a place for family. I don't get to go all the time, but every Sunday evening at my mama's house, the family comes in, gathers around, and has a meal at the table. That's a place for family. Don't everybody in the neighborhood come, Brother Reg? I don't remember you ever being there. You know why? It's a place for family. That's where the family goes to. And I'll tell you what church is tonight. Church is a place where the family ought to go to. It ought to be a place where you can come in and be part of what's going on. And There ought to be a fellowship in this place that lets you know that you're part of the family. But see what happens to Mephibosheth. As the story goes on in Bills, there was a time that David left the land because of Absalom's rebellion. When Absalom rebelled against him, you see a point where Mephibosheth is concerned to go, but he gets talked out of going and he stays right there. And during this particular period of time that David's out of the kingdom is a picture and a type of a born again child of God being out of fellowship with God the Father. And God the Son. Now I'm going to tell you something tonight. If you've ever really known God, if you've ever really known what it is to be in fellowship with Him, you'll never be satisfied being out of fellowship with God. I'll give you three things about that table tonight. I said it's a place of food, a place of fellowship, and a place for family. But I'll tell you something about that food. Brother Wesley, he had food back in Lodabar, but it wasn't like this food. This food don't taste like no other food he's ever had. 
And I'll tell you what, I've been around religion all my life. I've been around the things of God all my life, but until I got saved, preaching never meant much to me. Preaching of the Word of God never meant a whole lot to me until the first time or two that I was alone by myself. Took me a cassette tape and put that thing in Brother James and got to listening to Brother David Harrison preaching on the blood of Jesus Christ out in that little old trailer on the farm out on Mountain View. And I got in there that one night in particular and I was just by myself. It's just me and God. And he was a preaching and I got to worshiping and I got to fellowshipping with God and that food of the Word of God got to feeding my soul. I'd never tasted nothing like that before. I'd never got a hold of nothing like that before. And I'm going to tell you something. I've said this in this building before. I'll say it again tonight. If you ever get in the fire, you'll never be satisfied in the smoke. If you've ever been around the anointed preaching of the Word of God that feeds your soul, you'll never be satisfied with anything else again. Hey, listen, my wife can cook. Thank God you don't think I got this big not eating, do you? My wife's a cook, buddy, and I thank God that if I need to, I can go to McDonald's, but but I'll pass that mess up any day to get to my wife's beans and taters at the house. Buddy, you can eat these little happy meals and these little radio preachers if you want to, but I need something, Brother Danny, that'll feed my soul. And I'm going to tell you what you little lambs need. You need something that'll feed your soul. You need something that'll give you something you can chew on. And when you go to the house at night, I've, I've been hearing some reports about some of y'all laying in bed at night talking about things of God and talking about the preaching. Boy, I remember when me and Miss Lloyd first got saved out there in that little old trailer on the farm. There's nights we'd lay in the bed 12 one, two o'clock in the morning just talking about the things of God. I tell you what, listen, chewing on what we'd got from the Word of God because it tasted good. Sometimes my wife will put something on the plate. She'll say, you like it? And I say, it tastes like another. <laughs> Sometimes, hey, listen, when I get around the things of God, it gets to taste like another. Boy, I want more of it, more of it, buddy. There was the taste that was there, and I'll tell you something else that was at that table. Brother James was the talk. Hey, when you sit around the table at my mama's house, ain't no telling what you're liable to hear. <laughs> it's family talk. It's the way the family talks. And see, you might walk in the middle of the conversation and not understand the thing that's going on. But see, we already, we already know these little catch words and these things, and we know what one another's talking about. But I tell you what, the talk... Mephibosheth missed that talk when David was gone. Because that talk's a type of pouring your heart out to God in prayer. And I'm going to tell you something, little lambs, little sheep, you hear me. I'm going to give you some pastoral advice tonight. I tell this to every individual that ever got saved in my presence. And I've seen them get born of the Spirit of God. One of the first things that I ever told them, what you need to do is you need to make it a practice of finding you a place where you can get along and just pour your heart out to God. Hey, listen, there's a lot of folks think they pray and they ain't got a clue. They don't have a clue what it is to pray. But I'm going to tell you what, when God put me at the table, at the family of God, there's some talking goes on at that table. And every once in a while, God will just come by and brush by me in the middle of the day. And he'll put a desire in my heart to just get off Brother Weston and talk with him. What a blessing for a man to get to ride around that truck all day and just talk to God. Nobody there to bother you. There's some times I just want to talk to him. 
There's some times I just want to go to him, Miss Nita, and just pour my heart out. Boy, it broke my heart the other day. That precious young lady in that little old restaurant told me, she said, I don't have anybody to talk to. I don't have anybody to listen. Boy, I thank God. There's some times my wife might not understand what I'm going through. There's some times my wife might not know how to comfort me. But there's never a time that if I humble my heart before my Savior, I couldn't go in the bathroom and lock the door and go downstairs or walk out in the woods or go sit down in my vehicle. Sometimes I'll go down and off down the road and sit down in front of that pickup truck. Just talk, pour my heart out to him. And I'll tell you what, little lambs of God, you need to learn right quick that you've got a heavenly father that cares about your needs and there's nothing too small for you to go to him about. There's nothing too menial for you to bring to his attention. And you can go to him and say, Lord, I just want to talk to you. Let me tell you how to pray. Why don't you ladies, you pray just like you'd talk to your husband. Fellas, you pray just like you'd talk to your wife or your best friend. And you just get along somewhere verbally. Listen, the devil hates this and he's going to fight me telling you this. You need to hear this tonight. Verbally, out loud with your mouth, not silently. Verbally, that'll help you to keep on track and keep your attention focused where it needs to go. You just need to talk to God. Well, what do I say? How about Lord? It's just me, God. Lord, you know who I am. And you know what I am, and you know what I need. God, I don't know how to talk to you, but I sure do need you. (laughs) Praise God, you're on the right track. It won't be long till he'll wrap his arms around you. And you'll find the dearest friend you've ever had there to listen. You lay your head in his lap and tell him all your troubles. He'll hold you close to his bosom and let you pour your heart out to him. It's a place where God's youngins can talk. But I'm going to tell you something else. You think about little old Mephibosheth. He's crippled sitting there at that table. Brother, this is the king's table. This is where the mighty men sit. Now, I like it. I thank that good fellowship. I thank God bless his name for the fellowship during the revival meeting. I like to get around them men of God, Brother Danny. Some of them elder men of God. That's God. Listen, I ain't worthy to get to carry their Bible. But I like to be around them, Brother Sam, just to hear them talk and get around where they're at and there Mephibosheth is. And David's mighty men sitting at the table. I mean, warriors. Here, this boy's crippled. I mean, I wonder how many times he wondered what it'd be like to be out in the battle, but he's crippled. But now, Miss Nate, he's getting to sit with the men, with the generals of the army, and the big men come in and take their armor off and set it beside the door. And when he gets through at the table and they're fixing to go out and play war games, every once in a while, Brother Wesley, it's a place of taste. It's a place to talk. But every once in a while, I can imagine one of them big old burly soldiers walk by that little old boy, shrivel up. Brother Wesley, reach out and just touch Yeah. <laughs> Thank God for his touch every once in a while to come by. Let me know I'm his. Listen, I got a lot of problems being queer, ain't one of them. But I'll tell you what, I'm an affectionate man and I got little old youngins around here. Don't bother me. Reach up and hug your neck, pat you on the shoulder because I know what it's like when I need a touch from heaven. My heavenly father would come by and just reach out and put his arm around me and just let me know I'm his young. Praise God. We need that once in a while. But you're going to have to be at the table to get that. 
You don't have to be at the table. And I'm afraid tonight, when you get saved, you get born again. Some folks' honeymoon lasts longer than others. There'll come a day you'll get off the honeymoon, little lambs. And the devil's going to throw everything he can throw at you to try to get you away from the table. I mean, he's going to throw stuff up at you. People's going to hurt your feelings. I hate to say this. There's no hurt like getting hurt down to church. And the Word of God said that offenses will come. But woe unto them whom offend. He said it'd be better that a millstone were placed around your neck and you cast into the sea than to offend one of these little ones. You be tender, church, with these little lambs that's just got saved. Hey, they ain't supposed to know how to act. They ain't supposed to be grown up yet. You let them be little lambs and love on them, be their friend and be there for them. And don't make them have to suffer through a bunch of mess down at the house of God. Because the devil's going to try his best to get them away from the table. But I'm going to tell you what, as long as you can, you stay around. You get that taste in your mouth. I mean, you really get saved, born of the Spirit of God. You get that taste of the good things of God. Listen, you'll never, you'll never be happy with what this world's got to offer again. Ain't no way. Hey, you may wobble around on the axle a little bit, but you ain't going to get too far from the table. And if you ever do, if you ever do get away from the table, it was simple enough with Mephibosheth that it just came back and fell at the feet of David. They said, I'm sorry, I'm all messed up. Mephibosheth said a little bit about what had happened with his servant, but he said that don't even matter. He said it really don't matter about all that land and all the servants and all that stuff. Mephibosheth said the only thing really matters is, Lord, that you're back in your house and you're seated on your throne and where you belong. And if you ever know that real special fellowship with God, you ever get to a place, and I've been there, I can re- I, many times I've been there where I'd hurt God's feelings, I'd offend Him. He'd have to take me to the woodshed with me and get me straightened back out. I remember one day in particular in that old Red Dodge pickup truck, me and Sister Lloyd was riding to Elkin. And I was out of fellowship with God. I was out of whack. I don't even know what was wrong. Don't guess it makes no difference. But I just wasn't in that fellowship with God. And I remember that God spoke to me and he said, Mike, you ain't right. And I turned my head. Miss Lori was driving. I was sitting in the passenger side. Miss Amanda, I turned my head out that window so Miss Lori wouldn't see me. And with my lips in a whisper, I said, Lord, I'm sorry. God, I missed it. It's me. And that easy, that quick, God scooted my chair back up on the table and everything was all right again. Where are you at tonight? Do you even have a clue what I'm talking about? Do you even have a clue what I'm saying about being seated at the table? A place of taste, a place of talk, a place of touch. Man, that means something to me. It didn't mean a thing to me when I was lost. That's just something a preacher says. But if you've ever known the fellowship of God the way God lets his little youngins know his fellowship, you'll never be satisfied to live without that. Stand to your feet.